Hey, to all my female baggage droppers out there, I have a question for you. Do you like gold or silver? Well, at Brienne & Company Jewelry Store, you can find anything that you like. That's right. Brienne & Company is a jewelry boutique that has durable, minimalist jewelry. She uses genuine pearls, local shells and sea glass, natural gemstones, and of course, precious metals. And these are all quality handcrafted designs by Brienne Light herself. Go and visit her at her website, brienneandco.com, or go to her Instagram that's always popping, at Brienne and Company. Thanks, Brienne. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all of my baggage droppers around the world, welcome to another episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast, where we talk to people that are dope, that can give you hope, and show you a technique that can help you cope. I am your host, the self-talk engineer, Charles Wolfork, and if you are on and if you are on Facebook or YouTube, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button, and if you're on a podcast platform, give a brother five stars and some feedback as well. Now, I am here with an OG right here. This guy right here is so inspirational. I can't believe all of the amazing things that he has done with his life that have just inspired me to get off of my butt and to achieve so much more. Right here is David McFadden. Now, David is from Gainesville, Florida, and he got into manufacturing or early. However, he read a book that changed his life called How to Get Your Dream Job Out of College. He got into a billion-dollar company and started networking, y'all. And then he got into the geo special, uh, the geospatial department at this company, and he helped the team save millions in operational income. So then they moved him over to engineering uh, engineering operations and remember this guy's not an engineer he doesn't have a degree but uh but he he went ahead and went beast mode in there and saved and saved them millions then they moved him to value engineering and now he's just helping the company save millions of dollars in each and every department and you know what he loves to do he loves to encourage people to shift their mindset so he can they can do what he did and he believes that you can do all things through christ ladies and gentlemen i bring to you David McFadden. What's up, David? Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, man? It's such an honor to be on, on, on the Drop Your Baggage podcast, man. What's up, bro? Right, right. For anybody out there that doesn't know about you, like, who are you to the core and what, and, uh, what else are you all about, man? Yeah, so at the core of me, man, I am a, a servant of Christ, first and foremost, uh, a father, um, a husband, um, and I just want to encourage people to like just shift your mindset, man, because it's all about everything with success deals with the mindset. That's where it starts. And if you can shift your mindset, you can make millions. You can impact the world. You can do amazing things. But it all starts with the mindset. And for me, what I what I've done in the past is, you know, I, I call myself a, uh, an ideation specialist. So I help folks generate million dollars ideas, million million dollar ideas that helps uh, increase operational income for their programs, their products, and the life cycle of their, their, their total uh, product line. And so I'm all, I'm all about encouraging people to, um, you know, explore those ideas that you thought were impossible and make them the new standard of possibility. So in everything that I do, I like to, uh, if I see people who are doubting, if I see people who, who may not necessarily think that they're capable, I say, look, man, I don't have a degree and I get to influence millionaires all the time. I, I influence six-figure directors all the time. I help companies save millions. Matter of fact, if I say if I help a company save just a million dollars, I'm failing. <laughs> if, if it's just a million dollars, that's I'm failing. It has to be four, four to eight million dollars every year. Since 2016, that's exactly what I've done. Without any degree, with with the degree that I had was the, the degree of possibility. And that's all I needed. So, man, like, so like you said earlier on that somebody said that you are a genius, like that you like have that within you. Tell us about your early childhood and how like it developed over time to you having this, this bravado, this, this uh, confidence in yourself and, and within the creator as well. Yeah, sure. No, um, no doubt. Um, you know, I always say my trauma has caused me to have a seat at the table. My trauma has allowed me to have a seat at the table. Let me talk to you a little bit about my trauma. So I started out, um, you know, I obviously was born in Gainesville. My mother is from the island of Mauritius. It's a small island off the coast of Africa, super tiny. I think you could probably throw a rock and be on the other side of the ocean. But uh, she migrated over here from Mauritius, uh, met my father in Gainesville, and they didn't really work out. So um, she split, but then she met my stepfather in um, uh, Melbourne, Florida. And so uh, we moved here at a young age. Now, 
my stepfather, I think he tried to be a, uh, a quote unquote good father, but he used to be, he was very abusive to my mother. So I grew up in a, in a, a very violent type of household to the point where um, I had to stop my mother from being killed several different times. Like uh, I remember very vividly being, you know, six or seven years old and seeing, waking up and seeing my stepfather have holding a, a knife to her throat. I remember, her, I remember seeing him, you know, pick her up and, and throw her into the wall. And I, I remember a couple of times where her face was so badly beaten that she couldn't lay down. I mean, it was, it was super swollen, bandaged up, and she had to sit up in order to be able to breathe. Mm. Um, and, and so all of that trauma, I, 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 and, and also just holding, I remember holding his, his legs and telling him to stop mm-hmm. and then telling my mom to just leave, you know, leave us here. You know, mm-hmm. I have two other sisters and, um, you know, he was, um, at times he, he would choke them out as well. I would, I would be the one to stop him from doing that. Mm-hmm. All that trauma and all that conflict, um, caused me to, um, um, kind of shy away from confrontation. Mm-hmm. It caused me to, um, not really put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and essentially it made me not realize who I was. Like, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what family I kind of belonged to because mm-hmm. it was my stepfather and this is the, the father figure in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I fought so much during my younger years that when it came time to like, when I was in my teenager, my teenage years and, and adult years, I didn't know how to handle conflict. Right. I didn't know how to, um, uh, like handle all of those things. So my mindset was the result of all of that was that I didn't think I was smart enough. Mm. Right. Because if this man can throw my mother around like that, then there, you know, subconsciously I thought maybe there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then a couple of years later, uh, my mother, she went to prison, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know why. Like we just woke up one day and my mom was gone. So she mm-hmm. was gone for I think about a year and a half. But this was a, a very pivotal point in my development. So like in my twelve. 11, uh, 11 year old, 12 year old, um, didn't have my mother around. Right. Mm. And so again, that just added on to the, the trauma that is, I don't know if I'm capable. Right. So a big part of my story is like, I don't go to school. I'm in school now. Um, but I didn't think that it was possible to go to school because I didn't have that. that I didn't have anybody telling me that that was a possible, that was a possibility. But on top of that, I had the trauma mm-hmm. of stopping a lot of those conflicts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you take all of that stuff together mm-hmm. and then you, 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 you kind of uh, build upon it with, you know, promis- pr- uh, being promiscuous, um, you know, just all the different things that happen as, a, as an adolescent male that doesn't know, you know, who he is. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the point where one day, um, you know, it's funny because I think after I gave my life to Christ, um, you know, we kind of use that as kind of like cliche, like, you know, you give your life to Christ and everything changes. Mm-hmm. But mentally, I think there was a shift that happened when I when I made that choice, when I made that pivot in my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Something happened. Right. A renewed mind. Yeah. But then. When I started working in manufacturing, I still thought that I was um, that I wasn't capable. I didn't think I was like smart. I didn't think of it. Uh, and I didn't think that I was capable. So I would do things that were advanced in the manufacturing floor, like mm-hmm. troubleshooting the machines and, and um, you know, understanding the packages of machines that I thought it was normal. Mm-hmm. And people would talk about me. They're like, he's doing all this stuff. But we don't know why he's doing it. Like, we don't, I don't understand why he's doing like X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It wasn't that I was dumb. I was three or four steps ahead of him and I didn't know it. Right. And then somebody told me one day, they said, like, man, yeah, you, your mind works great. I said, wait, I said, what? They said, no, nah, man, you, your mind, it works like, like you're brilliant. Bro, that's all they had to do. That one thing? Yeah. Said, wait, oh, hold on, wait. Oh, oh okay, I'm brilliant. <laughs> so, um, you know, that kind of shifted, right? And mm-hmm. they're, they're small pivots, right? They're not huge changes. It's like small pivots that add on, like small pivots here, small pivots there. Mm-hmm. But it's the possibility in those pivots that helps expand your mindset to do great things. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to working at this billion dollar company. Yeah. Right. And 
still having a little bit of that trauma that you know that 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 baggage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Working with all engineers, working with all like like uh, you know really smart people, college educated college educated people. Mm-hmm. They messed up, right? Those people started saying, "Hey, man, you're brilliant." I said, "Well, well, who who's brilliant?" <laughs> like, no, um, hey, we got this position for you. Uh, it's called business excellence champion. I said, "Okay, I don't know anything about business, um, but why don't you give it a try?" All right, cool. All right, my first meeting, and stop me if I'm going on because I can I can tell this story. Go, go, go. All right, so check it to your audience. I'm gonna get to tell you a funny story. My first meeting as the business area excellence champion. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about business. I didn't know what was going on. I'm in the call, right? There's all kinds of levels of executives, you know, presidents in the company. And I thought I was just listening in. I didn't realize I had to like add value right then and there. <laughs> so I get into the meeting and uh, they said, uh, so what do you got, David? What, what do you have going on in, in geospatial? I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I got off that phone, right? And the director of this current group, and she's a doctor, she has a doctor um, in uh, image, image, uh, image something. She said, hey, you need to get it together because you can't embarrass me in front of my, um, you can't embarrass me in front of my, um, my, my, uh, my boss like that. You gotta get stuff together. Now, if you need stuff from me, let me know. Yeah. You can't go into these meetings and not know. Again, that pivot, that kick in the butt mm-hmm. caused me to say, all right, bet. Now that I know that I need to add value to every meeting, every meeting, I'm going to, whether I'm in charge of it or not, I'm going to always be ready to have to add value. Mm-hmm. So that is another part of like shifting my mindset, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it only happened if I said yes to the position, which I wasn't necessarily qualified for. But since I read the book, the book gave me the the confidence to say like okay bet i think i can i think i can do that mm-hmm. so um yeah I, man it's been such a crazy journey that's just like in the geospatial i can um you know i can talk a little bit more about like going into the next phases like the 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 different levels yeah man hold on okay so you talked you said so much so the possibility is in the pivots i love that so the, mm-hmm. the pivot was the consciousness that you had that you like the things that you needed to know in order to be successful? Yeah, I think it was more so the the possibility. Like mm. the all it was was a a opening mm-hmm. to be better, to be greater. Mm. And yeah. for somebody who has never had that opening, that's all I needed mm. was okay, you you give me the possibility in a slight opening. From the trauma that I experienced growing up, I mm-hmm. didn't think that I would be here. So guess what? I'm going to blow this thing wide open. Mm. Right? And so the great thing about that book, and it's so funny, is because on LinkedIn, the author of the book is now one of my contacts. And I messaged him. I was like, hey, man, your, your book changed my life. Um, his name is Pete uh, Liebman. I don't know if I should be promoting him now. But his <laughs> name is Pete Liebman. Um, and so one of the things in the book was you have to understand the leverage that you have as an employee, as, as really anybody, if you do good work, mm, right? Mm-hmm. If you do good work, you got leverage automatically because people, their jobs are on the line right. um, to hire good employees. Mm-hmm. Now, if you understand that you can bring value, exactly, then you have leverage. Boom. You know what I'm saying? So, exactly. Um, I understand the value that I bring. I didn't I didn't fully know it now, but now since they they messed around and said, boy, you you you're brilliant. Yeah. Said, oh, oh no, I'm 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 valuable now. I'm valuable. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, it was um, it was the possibility and the pivots. It was the 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 slight opening of the door and mm-hmm. uh, just busting it wide open. Boom, boom! You ran through it like a running back. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't a Charles the Charles Wolf uh position player, but you know, uh, <laughs> I, I I I tried to do what I what I could. Man, <laughs> silly. So like. Um, you believed in, in the, you believed the, or you believed the people that said you were brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. was it because you, it kind of boosted, like, no offense, that it boosted your ego? Or was it the fact that you had like a chip on your shoulder and that you I, had to make it? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both, right? I think that, um, 
you know, if one person says it, um, and a shout out to my wife, I have a, I have an amazing wife who mm. constantly, uh, you know, uh, prays for me and, and uh, you know, really encourages me and supports me and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, the around that time, like around that 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 first pivot, um, you know, we we moved to Orlando, mm-hmm. and in Orlando, we were outside of um, the our normal environment, and so part of that whole pivot is just getting outside of your environment, outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And when we moved to Orlando, uh, we were around a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of young homeowners, like 23, uh, 24. And then again, that seed of possibility, like, wait, right. you, you can own a business and be profitable and, and own a home and all that stuff. Um, and so that caught, that planted the seed. Um, and so seeing that and then coming to a workforce where somebody says, you're brilliant. I think it helped those two circumstances help me believe like, wait, um, I, I am, I am brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so the first couple of times they're like, all right, you know, like you probably say that everybody, but then I started seeing like patterns. I started seeing fruit of different things, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause I, you know, on the side I do music I've been doing music for years and years. Yeah. And, and, and that was my creative outlet. Mm-hmm. People were calling me like, man, you, you, you on another level. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but then when I started seeing the patterns in the professional area, mm-hmm. I said, no, there's, there's something there. There's something there. And so I started believing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in spite of my upbringing. So I think the, the, the upbringing was like, you know, all the trauma and everything. But when people started saying like, nah, bro, you, you got something. Yeah. Then I started realizing that, you know, maybe all of that trauma, is kind of the story that kind of helped put me in a position to, to be grateful enough yeah. to, to operate in that, that, uh, that brilliance or whatever. So 100, 100. The, yeah. the, uh, one of my, one of the guys that changed my life, his name is Dr. Eric Thomas, ET, the hip hop preacher. ET, yes. ET, yeah. yo, like ET, he straight up talks about like how he lived in abandoned building buildings, ate out of garbage cans, Yep. Like, you know, was in the cold in, in, in uh, Michigan and how he like he well, it took him 12 years to get a four year degree or something like yep. that. It's like he talks about his struggle and how it's made him stronger and how it's prepared him for the, the business world. Like, right. Yep. For corporate, for um, for g- giving his speeches and his presentations to corporate. Uh, so like that's it sounds pretty similar to what you have done. It's like if if I can go through that then what the hell doesn't prepare me for anything, anything that y'all can throw at me. And especially if I have yeah. the possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what's funny is that I think the first time I talked to you, um, I didn't realize that I necessarily had a story. I think the day mm. I talked to you um, the first time was I started realizing just like how, you know, the, the, the slow realization that you can do greater. Mm-hmm. I started realizing like, no, my story is kind of like crazy because, you know, <laughs> even through all the, 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 the physical abuse, um, through the, the trauma of that and like being home, like, you know, we were kicked out from, you know, um, my stepfather kicked us out and we lived in the, a shelter for a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. out and different things. I realized like, man, like this is no, no we, I got to capitalize off this. Like I gotta, we got to turn <laughs> this around for our good. So shout out to you, man. You, uh, I don't know if your audience knows it, but like you, you, you really, uh, even in our first, discussion man you really helped me out a lot so man i mean i'm 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 only a reflection of who you are dog and by all means like i I appreciate that man i I appreciate you actually listening to my words like when i heard when i heard like i'm hearing this for the second time but for the first time i heard i was just like i my eyes were like huge my eyes were the size of watermelons because you know from you you know going through your past and then you know people telling you like oh you could only get a job and or, or you know you, that you can only get a small job because you're never going to make it and then like right, all these right. different things that you you know have gone through to now you know having a being in a billion dollar corporation and and uh doing things that you know most people would never have the opportunity like would never have the consciousness to do right yeah, man so- it's so crazy. It's so crazy. So, wow. so you brought up a point, like the, um, like so for your audience, you know, I I did join the military, um, and I I didn't have a successful military career because of my mindset, right? I was mm-hmm. 
I was still smoking weed, still trying to do like drugs, still being promiscuous. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with trauma. I didn't realize that I was trying to find coping mechanisms even in the military. Wow. Like, I, was, I was I was still trying to find that peace. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And like uh it was exactly so I got kicked out and the crazy thing is like I got kicked out of the military and I left um the military um because I didn't want to go to captain's mass it was during the holidays. I wanted to like spend at least spend the the holidays with my family. Yeah. The Christmas holidays. Mm-hmm. So I left for like twenty days. Cause if you move if you go over thirty days, I think they call it AWOL and the and the, the punishment is more severe. Yeah. So I went uh twenty days, then I came back and went to captain's mass and then they when I got back I thought, all right, they're gonna um, you know, have me captain's mass and then I'm just gonna get kicked out and go home. No, they 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 actually handcuff you and take you to the, the brig, which is like military federal prison equivalent. Wow. And so I went, I had to get strip search and, and all this, I'm not, I'm not even expecting any of this. So, yeah. and then I'm thrown into like this, um, Navy type of like brig environment as like federal prison, you know, you got general population, you know what I mean? It, it was crazy. So after that, I was in there for like 30 days or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it felt like two months. I bet. <laughs> Jeez. So when I, when I got out, right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any money. Well, I had $20, right, when I got out. And it was like my lowest. I had $20. I had just turned 21. Mm. I, I used my $20 to buy a 40-ounce, a pack of Newport Newport shorts, and uh, I think I bought, like, a snack. You said. <laughs> I was rock, it was my rock bottom, man. I, I remember drinking that forty ounce. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. So in the military, you gotta have like a belt. You gotta have your like your hat and everything. You mm-hmm. covered because not you're gonna be out of out of line and people can call you out on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my belt. I didn't have my hat. So I was drinking a forty ounce, smoking a Newport short, and uh, not knowing not having any money to eat. So I, in order to eat, I had to wake up and I didn't have any cell phone or clock or anything. In order to eat, I had to wake up during lunchtime. Like have hopefully wake up during lunchtime, go down and eat at the cafeteria or the galley, but also take some food back with me because I didn't have any money to eat dinner. So I would I would eat lunch and then stuff peanut butter jelly sandwiches in my pocket for yeah. for, uh, for uh for dinner. Yeah, and then go back and like you know eat. It was like the it was like rock bottom because I right. had failed. You know, and you got your whole family. Then we joined the military. Like oh man, David's doing well. Yeah. Um, so I'm over there, like rock bottom, bro. Like smoking cigarettes, just like you know, cigarettes are not good. Like no. they're not good for you, and they taste horrible. So it's yeah. like, imagine like all of that weighing down on you, just smoking a cigarette, and you're like, man, what is this horrible? So so then I, um, you know, I, li- I leave there and then get back, um, get back home, and mm-hmm. kind of had to rebuild my whole stuff up, you know, because mm-hmm. when you get out of maybe kicked out for for. For popping on a on a drug test, mm-hmm. you can only work at McDonald's. Right. Work at a billion dollar company. You can't work. You're, you're only going to get paid ten ten dollars, twelve dollars an hour. Right. So, again, I had to pivot my mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, and and uh, started working in manufacturing, and, and then um, you know, the rest is kind of history. The damn, bruh. Wow, but what a what a like. How long how long did it take before you started working at the billion dollar co- billion dollar company? So um when I got out of the military it was 2003. Mm-hmm. Um and I got married in 2005. That's when I started manufacturing. I didn't start working at the 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 billion dollar company um until 2016. So No, actually so, 2012, I'm sorry. It was 2012 where I started. The, the reformation of your life though throughout that 9 years. Mm-hmm. That's that's a quite the transformation like oh, yeah. rock yeah. bottom to two years later getting married yeah. working at the manufacturing job reading this book and then mm-hmm. his own he started to network yeah bro it's like once i saw that there were people who looked like me making yeah. six seven figures um being able to impact uh you know all corners of this company not only the company but really society as a whole mm-hmm. um it kind of again the 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 possibility you know just really just busted wide open for me because you got to remember and where i grew up at we didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of like black engineers or black directors or black or people of color 
No. Um, so for me, it was just like, wait, now you can like, you can be like, there's a bunch of engineers who are of color and, and, and not even just of color, but just, you know, minorities in general, like yeah. women, women engineers and, and stuff like that. So all of that um, really, really, really helped me a lot. The representation is so cool. I mean, yeah, we had like Dr. Huxtable on, on TV, but like, as far as where I grew up, where I grew up, the entrepreneurs were the um, the the guy that worked at the barbershop. We had two barbershop owners, Mr. Johnny yeah. and, and Mr. Charlie. Um, yeah. And then we had um, another Mr. Johnny. He uh, he owned the cab stand, which is like Uber before Uber. You know what I mean? Like, right, 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 boot, right, right. They called it the bootleg back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you got to break that down because some people might not know. Like, taxi, exactly. What, what, what is- yeah, so oh, yeah. like uh, you would have to go to a building. It would be a, a, a smoky building, uh, like that had like a couch, and in the back they were playing craps. And they I'm like, "Hey, where you want to go?" Like, I'm trying to go to Kroger. Like that five dollars, <laughs> you pay right away. They take you to Kroger. They wait for you at Kroger, and then it's another five dollars to get home. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Oh man, but that was. But um, as I digress, representation. That was the only entrepreneurs that I saw. Remember, I didn't see any doctors. I didn't right. see any engineers. I didn't see any lawyers. Yeah. So like to be able to envision that within yourself and also to see that type of possibility is damn near impossible so for yeah. you to get that glimpse and then for you to hold on what, what made you hold on to it so tight bro uh you know i think it was a mix of one um just my family like you know having kids of my own and just really wanting to break that cycle mm. and then two um i don't know if you if you like read or or heard of david goggins um, hey. yeah hey. um so he has a thing where he says taking souls. Um, and the premise of that is like when everybody else is crying about it, you're like the only one like, no, nah, this ain't nothing. You know Great. what I mean? Yeah. And I held on it too. I held on it because it was, I was surprised that, you know, through all my trauma and working in and working in the military, even though I didn't have a great military career, mm-hmm. it did t- teach me like hard work. And we did like really like hard work. Mm-hmm. And so when I got into manufacturing and when I started doing engineering technician and, and even value engineering, um, the work wasn't like hard physical work. Yeah. It was like, it was more mental, um, more like, you know, uh, you know, in office environments or, or, you know, or doing repetitive things, right. Yeah. Placing parts. Yeah. And so when I, when I got in the environment, a lot of people were like, Oh man, this is, this is so hard. This is, or, or this is that. And so I was like, wait, this ain't hard. No, <laughs> I've experienced like hard, like 19 hour days, like, yeah. you know, work, working on the aircraft carrier or, or not being able to sleep. Cause, cause you know, you, you're, you're worried about if your family is going to be alive when you wake up. Yeah. So this stuff wasn't, this, this is not hard. This is, um, this is easy. Matter of fact, I'm surprised they're paying me this much. Cause I didn't realize, <laughs> I, I didn't think that, uh, I would have a job. Out of military, yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. Like y'all complaining about you know this, this it, you know it's so crazy. It's like mindset is everything, bro. Everything like, is everything. Right. When I when I started manufacturing, and I was killing it in my my little area mm-hmm. at this this company. Mm-hmm. I was making fourteen dollars and thirty five cents an hour, mm-hmm. and the the floor manager called me into the office, and I because I told them I was going to be leaving the company, uh, and I found a job. They said, um, oh, I hear that you're leaving, right? But, um, you know, right now you make you, you make the most money on the floor. And so, you know, sometimes people want to say that they're going to leave in order to get more money. And yeah. I was like, that wasn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. And I didn't even know I was making the most money on the floor. So it's you know, almost kind of like kind of a tactic, you know, that, yeah, you're making the most money on the floor. I was like, wow, I make $14 an hour on the floor, like. You know, and, and shout out to those make fourteen dollars an hour because some, at, depending upon the level, like your your environment, that is that can be a lot. Mm-hmm. When I left, uh, when I left that company to to work at the billionaire company, um, I got to say that it wasn't even guaranteed. Like it was only for a year; it was supposed to be a contract, right? For one year, but they started out at like eighteen dollars an hour. So I was like, man, that's hey, I'm, uh, I I will do that. That's a lick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a come up. <laughs> so. 
the eighteen dollars an hour, um, you know, and just a one year contract. But guess what? Once you let me in the door, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta network with. I was talking to senior directors. I was talking to pre- like the, the, the <laughs> vice president of the company. Wow, I was yeah. going to events, acting like I was like one of the top level engineers. People were talking to me like, "Oh, hey, hey!" I was like, "I had, you know, um, <laughs> I I had to pivot quickly in those mm-hmm. environments." Mm-hmm. So, um, let me get let me drop a little nugget here real quick. If what you up? Don't mind. What up? So, adaptability is probably and you know like i said my story is i don't have a i don't have a degree mm-hmm. but if you can work on these three superpowers adaptability quick learning and idea synthesis mm-hmm. you can kill the game wherever you at um adaptability quick learning mm-hmm. and idea synthesis if you can utilize those three superpowers you can kill the game anywhere and i've used it in several different environments all the time, adaptability, quick learning, and um, idea synthesis. So, what does that mean? It's like adaptability. You got to be like listening to words that people use and and understand the context and, and, and quick to use it so that you can talk their language, right? Uh-huh. So, I went to, I went like I said, I went to some of these um, events or whatever, and like they were all local, like you know, higher level directors and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they were saying, oh yes, you know our you know, our, our revenue and our operational income is not where we want it to be. So we want to try to increase that by, you know, 3%. And we're mm-hmm. going to use continuous improvement things to do that. I had no idea what any of that stuff meant. But guess what I did? I took a mental picture. I'm going to Google it. And when I come back again, the next meeting, I yeah. guess what I'm going to use. Boom. Operation, operational income. Yeah, yeah. Revenue, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. they say the cost of goods sold. Like we want to make a continuous improvement plan, a strategic plan based off 3% of cost of goods sold. What is, what is cost of goods sold? Well, I'm going to find out what that is. And then we're going to use that. And over time, you start, not only are you using it, but you, you understand what it means. Exactly. And you can, um, you know, kind of talk that language. So adaptability. And then being a quick learner, mm-hmm. like you don't have, uh, everybody else is, is operating at a, at a certain level. You have to be like Will Smith in um, Pursuit of Happiness. You got to mm-hmm. like, you got to figure out how you can adapt um, um, or quickly learn something. You know, you may not have, you may not be able to take a water break. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You may, mm-hmm. you may have to sit down there while everybody's just taking a break. You're going to use your lunch like that. I'm going to try it. Like, I, I see what everybody else is doing. I'm going to be the quickest learner in this place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then finally, idea synthesis. So this is so important. And I'm like, this is like one of the, the, the greatest hacks is that your, whatever happened in your past mm-hmm. can help you in your happenings now. So idea synthesis means that you're bringing bringing like a cross-functional past. Like, so, you know, I, I experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. I experienced a lot of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And now I work in uh, value, value engineering where I have to facilitate diverse groups, like engineers with egos, yeah. people with supply chain, people from program management. And since I understand what conflict is, I know and can detect when conflict is arising in these right. meetings of minds, right? Yeah. And so what I can do is I can take the the, the issues from my past mm-hmm. and I can use that for what I'm going through in my um, uh, environment. So just uh, like you were foot, like you were football, like um, and you did you you said you play football, right? Yes. Yeah. So like you know I'm pretty sure that you've been in environments where like you know it could be something totally different for football, but you're able to utilize something from that, like maybe the snap count or like. The, the routines of, of practice you're able to utilize that as a superpower and like people are like man how you how you do that how you how you do that you know what i mean yeah, like yeah you you you're uniquely equipped to to handle certain things and so i always say those three things man are, like have really helped me set myself apart um even in the midst of like here's the thing charles this is crazy there's people who have degrees like who are super duper smart mm-hmm who don't understand that concept mm. they, they don't under, like i mean they're brilliant i mean yeah. they make tons of money but don't understand the importance of these that's, unrelated things that's what it is it's the, the it's the importance of it and also well like when you when you have a a, a certain 
when you have to survive as a kid, when you have to yeah. survive, you yeah. your mind kicks in the gear on what you have to do to survive. Right. 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 So. You have to do what you have to do, meaning like if you have to gain report with somebody, you'll gain report with that person. If yep. you have to like dig things up from your past, you'll have to do that. Some people yep. that have not been on that path to where they have experienced certain things or have those type of street smarts, they don't know how to apply it. The tool is always there within us, mm-hmm. but the application of the tool is always what makes the biggest difference within everybody's success. Right. That's, it. That's, it. That's, that's it, man. That's it. Because I got a I got a friend um, who so he made his mistakes in his past and he sold drugs and now he's getting on the right path. And I'm like, bro, like, you know, I've turned I, I'm I've shifted from an entrepreneur from an educator to entrepreneur. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, bro, you have all the skills that yeah. you need in order to be super successful, super successful. He's got the mm-hmm. gift of gab. He can gain rapport with anybody. He's an amazing storyteller. And when Mm -hmm. he believes in something, man, he gives all the right things to like have that, have somebody act on impulse to buy something. But he, he just is, there's something within him that is afraid to apply what he had, had did so well with weed to another product. So he chooses to work, you know what I mean? His butt off his head. And I'm just really trying to, but it's that consciousness it's the consciousness, man. Yeah. Like, dude, if you have this, if you ha- he has all the tools, but it's about applying it to yeah. something that's out of his comfort zone as well. Yeah. Execution is key, man. Cause I, I, I guarantee you, like, you know, I have a couple of friends like that too, who are brilliant, you know what yeah. I mean? Like are, are, are super intelligent, um, have great street smarts, um, but won't execute on, on, on the things that'll that'll take them to the next level, right? And again, yeah. it's a consciousness mindset, man, that'll that prevents a lot of folks from doing that. You keep saying it, man. Mindset is everything. Look, mindset man, is everything. Mindset, your mindset matters, sir, man. Hundred <laughs> percent. And yeah. also, bro, uh, Charles Darwin said, "It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that most adapts, uh, that is is most adaptable to change." Oh man, let me write that down. <laughs> it is not this. Charles, I, that, you know what's crazy is like Charles Darwin is like the evolution guy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you wouldn't think that a, a quote from him would be applicable, you know, because you know a lot of creationists think differently. But man, you can find you can find value anyway. Like the like the Bible says, like keep the good, discard the rest. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so Charles exactly. It is the most, it is not the most, or it is, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. Incredible. Nice. Yes, very. I was, I was mind blown because you always say, oh, the strong, the fit, the survival of the fittest. Well, it's not the physically fit it's who's fit the most up here and obviously uh, brad you're you're a personification of, of all of that bro for real God, man it's 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 crazy bro it's like um before this meeting i was just on the call with like the vice the vp of engineering at our company and like all like the high level engineering leaders and uh i just had to take a moment like Wait, how how and it's so crazy that like I can't share it with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you can't tell people, um, I can't share it with I can only tell it with like my immediate family because nobody else will understand. It yeah. doesn't make it doesn't make any sense the rooms that you're able to get into, but I understand that I'm not gonna be um intimidated because my trauma has allowed me a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. I may not have the the education on paper. But man, uh, the trauma has 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 allowed me to scoot up there and and um and feel feel somewhat confident, of, of, you know, about being in that room. So, so yeah, the for, for all the audience out there, make sure you pay attention to that. That's huge. Whatever you're going through, it's only preparing you for what you were desi- I mean, where you were destined to do yeah. in the long run. Yeah. What the what the creator has like for you. In the long run. So whatever you're going through, keep going. Just keep going. 
Like, don't stop. Don't quit. Like, this, that's the only time you'll fail. There is no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. And the only way that you fail is if you quit. So, man, just keep going because your trauma is preparing you for something so much greater. It's a life of abundance, yo. A life of abundance. Um, Brad, just... I can't thank you enough for, for your time, bro. I really, truly appreciate it. I can't wait to be a blessing. So here on the Drop Your Baggage podcast, we talk to people that are dope that can give you hope. And we also show you a technique that can help you cope. And that technique is called the mental and emotional release process. It's a neuro-linguistic programming technique. Now, uh, I'm going to talk, well, I'm going to let you know, disclaimer, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a social worker. I'm none of that. None of those things. I'm just an alternate to um, help you with help everyone with their mindset. And anyone out there, talk to the audience real quick. Anyone out there uh, who would like to go through the mental and emotional release process, please hit me up at charleswolfwork.com. Uh, there's a, a actual form on there where you and I can, or you can set a time you and I can speak together. Now, today, um, we're going to be talking about the fear of rejection, but I think the fear of rejection is off a little bit. <clears throat> and we'll go into it. So like, I had a fear of rejection because I always felt like I was rejected by my father. Um, and I always talk about my dad, but that's where a lot of my trauma, trauma came from. Like I never met my father before. So the first time I really truly felt rejected is when I remember I was filling out, we were decorating father's day cards and I didn't have a dad. I was like, do I write it for my Nana, my grandmother, or do I write it for my mother? I was like, I guess I'll just start writing you know, Father's Day cards for my mom. And I've all, and I've, you know, continually like either called my mom or sent my mom a card for Father's Day because she played both roles as a single mother. But that's when I felt like, man, where is he? How come he hasn't sent me a birthday card or a gift? Where, where is he on Christmases? You know, like, where is he? And I felt rejected. And that has continued to where I, I was a people pleaser and I and I would continually get rejected throughout my life, whether it be through people that I the wrong crowd that I was trying to hang out with or women that I was trying to, you know, be be with or, you know, just uh, if I ever felt a situation where somebody didn't, quote unquote, like me, I feel rejected and I just get down on myself and have all types of negative self-talk. So that's like where I, I personally know how that fear of rejection feels. You know what I mean? So like, what is it with you that you have this fear of rejection? I think it's the same. I think it's the same thing. Um, like, uh, because of, um, you know, my lack of education, because of how I grew up, um, I fear that people won't um, accept me mm -hmm. or, or I disappoint or I'm disappointing them um, because of, you know, of who I am, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, because I don't have all of the accolades and because I don't have um, the pedigree, you know, um, that uh, they won't allow me into the circle or they just, you know, or I will, um, I will somehow lower their expectation of who they thought I was going to be. Yeah. 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 Like, however, you know, we talk about the fear of rejection, but also like, how do you feel about the phrase that I'm not good enough? Yeah, that yeah, that's, I think that's probably that's probably more on point. That's the one, Brad. Yeah. I struggled with that for years, and a lot of people that come onto the podcast, they like you know some of the most successful folks I've ever met in my life, like yourself. Like we all have this thing in the back of our mind that also drives us, like it gives us a chip on our shoulder, but also it's like it's that thing that kind of like makes us hesitate just a little bit, you know? Yo, that's that's crazy. I think that is it. Now I'm thinking about it. I think it, you know, when I look back, it's like uh, even my, like my identity, you know what I mean? Like not thinking I have to attach something to my identity to be, to be, to be enough, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. so, like, yeah. like the, the blessing. I mean, you've been, been blessed upon, blessed upon, blessed. And then it's so funny because when, like, as people tell you that you're good enough, you finally latched onto it. Like, you're brilliant. Like, you're good enough. You're yeah. brilliant. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I think I am. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, you latched onto it. So, like, once we get rid, like, your, your, your swagger is already there. Once we get rid of that limiting belief that I'm not good enough and you just keep instilling that I'm brilliant and all these different things that you have, your swagger is going to go. Oh, to the moon, dog, and beyond. It's, it's going to be crazy. Now, um, 
as how how does um how does it feel in your body when you think of situations like maybe those early situations when you were within your company or other situations where uh, you felt like I'm not good enough? Where do you feel it in your body physically? Uh, physically, like I think I feel it. Um, I think I feel it like right here. Yes. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how heavy is it? Um, probably an eight, seven, eight, eight. eight. Anywhere yeah. else in your body? I think because you know when you said that it's like I remember one, one uh, two examples like when I was working at a, on a product and then um, they came in and they were asking like okay can this uh, uh, we need this to be done and then they pointed like oh let let David do it and then they said oh he can't do it he's just a blank or he's just a this yeah and then I felt you know I felt disappointed and I felt it like you know, in my chest and I guess like my posture kind of like, yeah, down, I don't know if I felt anywhere else though. Okay. Okay. Just making sure uh, some people feel it in multiple places, but Hey, as long as you are connected with like, there's a, a mental, emotional, spiritual connection. So as long as we got the mental and, and physical connected, we, we know that we're going to get some good results. All right. So there's only four things that you need to do in order for you to have a profound effect in this uh, whole process that have profound results. Number one, you got to use your imagination. Mm-hmm. Number two, you got to follow directions just like you follow a recipe or Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Number three, you got to trust the process. Know that I'm your guide. I'm going to be leading you through this easily and effortlessly. And I come from a place of love and high vibrations. Mm-hmm. And number four is you have to see from other people's perspective in each event. We're going to be reviewing some events and observing some events. And, I, and your perspective is very important. However, having compassion and empathy for others is the best thing that you can do in order to have forgiveness and acceptance, which will help you heal internally in the long run. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, we're going to create an imaginary timeline. With your timeline, your past can be to your left, to your right or behind you. So if you were to know, where's your past? Left. Where's your future? Right. Just like mine. Perfect. All right, man, let's get it. Is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this limiting belief that I'm not good enough today and for you to be aware of it consciously? Sure. Awesome. What is the root cause of this problem? The first event, which when disconnected, that will cause this problem to disappear. If you were to know, when was the first time that you felt like I'm not good enough between the ages of birth and seven? How old were you? Five. Do you have a specific event in mind? Uh, visiting my biological father. Got you. Got you. All right. So that's the one right there. Um, you can go ahead and close your eyes and relax and let me know when you're ready for the process to drop your baggage. Ready? Awesome. Now, this is a guided meditation. So keep your eyes closed and I'll guide you through this easily and effortlessly. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float to your left. So you're floating deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above that first event in which you felt like I'm not good enough when you were about five, six years old and you were with your biological father. Let me know when you're there. Yep. All right. Now see that event from a third person point of view, like a fly on the wall. And as you're there, just stay right there. Don't move. Now just ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from the event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of the emotions easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve the learnings so that if you need them in the future, they'll be there. Just tell your unconscious mind to preserve the learnings. Yep. Awesome. Now, with your eyes closed and you observing the event, tell me, what did you learn from the event? Um, that I'm, um, I'm proud of, I'm proud of who I, I'm proud of that little boy. Mm-hmm. And um, 
my father is proud of me. Mm-hmm. What did you have to tell your father? That I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Now, what is something that you can take with you into the future that can make you a better person? Take your time. What is a learning that you can take with you into the future to make you a better person that you learn from that event? Everyone in my lineage is just proud of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Now, Just imagine floating up above your timeline and float to the left and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age. Let me know when you're above the dinosaurs. Yep. Awesome. And as you're above the dinosaurs, just imagine floating deeper and deeper and deeper into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. And imagine your timeline is the size of a fingernail. Let me know when you're there. Yep. Okay. Now listen closely, float very, very high above your timeline, above each and every event in which you felt as though I'm not good enough. From birth until now in chronological order, don't skip one event that has a charge on it. Preserve the learnings and let go of that limiting belief that I'm not good enough all the way back to now. Go. All gone? Yep. Awesome. Float down into your body and open your eyes when you're ready. Oof. Yeah. Wow. That was a big one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel good. I, I, you know, it's crazy. It was, um, they weren't, those people weren't trying to hurt me. Maybe this is post, but they weren't trying to hurt me. They were only directing me. Mm. They, uh, mm. Yeah, they weren't trying to. They weren't trying to hurt me. They were inadvertently directing me. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and even some of the the things that happened like recently, it's like they weren't. They weren't necessarily trying to say that I wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. They were like pushing me into more of the purpose. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's crazy. Yeah, real talk. <laughs> I'm giving you a second. I'm giving you a second to lay <laughs> God is good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Praise the creator, yo. Praise the creator. Yeah. (laughs) Good. You're good. Okay. (laughs) I went to let you sit with that for a second. All right. So we gotta we gotta test it out. Make sure it's all gone, my man. So uh can you smell bacon yes you can well i mean if if i had bacon in front of me i could oh okay <laughs> i'm sorry do you smell bacon i'm sorry no okay okay all right i asked that question to get your mind off of it i, I asked can instead of do you're right um you're smart you are brilliant <laughs> <laughs> He's like, of course I can. Um, yeah. um can you remember a time in the past in which you used to feel that old emotion and go back and see if you can find that old emotion, or you may find that you cannot. I mean, I can remember the time, but yeah. it didn't have the the attachment, the emotional attachment. 
Yeah. yeah. How's that feeling in your chest? Um, it's different. It's not so. the feeling. It's not the feeling of um. It's not a negative emotion. It's like a. It's like a empathy. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's more like emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a negative emotion, but like emotion of knowing that um, you know my lineage is my lineage was with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like through all through all of that, all of those times where I thought I wasn't. Yeah. Oof. That's deep. It's like yeah. love and pride and you know yeah. gratitude. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. That's deep. Mm-hmm. Um I-, I want you to imagine going out into the future to an unspecified time in the future, in which if the same thing would have happened in the past, you would have felt like I'm not good enough. But it's the future now. So see if you can find that old emotion. Or you may find that you cannot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. So when you think of that time, can you still find that old emotion? Not really. How do you feel instead? Uh, I really don't feel. Uh, I don't feel anything. It's good. It's really good. Congratulations! You just released a limiting belief. Oh, wow! Yeah, that's crazy. I really don't feel like I'm not supposed to feel indifferent, right? I, mean, I just don't even feel like like it didn't. It, it was almost like it's a picture now. Versus yeah. an emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always, uh, so there's a, it's like when you, t- it's like a stick of dynamite. So let's a- a- act as though the memory is the dynamite and the wick is the emotion. Mm-hmm. So what this process does is it takes the wick out of the dynamite. It takes the emotion out of the memory. So all you have is the dynamite, but without the wick, it's ineffective. It doesn't explode anymore. There's not that trigger. You see, without the memory or without the energy or the emotion in that, inner, in that memory, you don't have the trigger anymore. That trigger, that physical trigger, that emotional trigger anymore. It's all gone. So now all you have is the memory. And now you can attach what you've attached, what you wanted to attach to it. In fact, mm. right. You've attached a learning to it. So now which is the best part about it. This right here is funny because now you have wisdom on demand because experience, right? Experience plus that knowledge of it, right? The the value that you get from it is wisdom. So it's like wisdom on demand. Nice. Nice. Wow. There's so much treasure that you have in your trauma, especially with a process like this. You go back and you see like, what, what was all that for? How has that built me into the abundance and the prosperity that I have now? You flip it on its head. Mm. That's good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. A lot of people that are listening right now they have never been through this process. So please describe how you feel in, describe what it was like, like talk us through it, man. Yeah, so I I, I admit, I came into it kind of skeptical, um, <laughs> you know, just because I just never, you know, you don't know sometimes yeah. what, what folks, but um, I saw a clear kind of like picture of, um, my linear like the linear timeline mm-hmm. of, of my past and my future and it was almost like the when i went back to like my five-year-old self and i was mm-hmm. with like my biological dad mm-hmm. 
um, it was like I remember like being in the car, it must have been like a summer day or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't anything that he was saying. It was more so like me not thinking that like because since I had to go visit different people, I didn't know who my family was. You know what mm. I mean? So it's like um, not not feeling like not, not subconsciously not good like not good enough. Even though I was young, I was just just subconsciously didn't know. Mm-hmm. And um, but from her his perspective, now that I think about like you know. You know him picking me up. Mm-hmm. You know him trying his best, mm-hmm. and like him like looking at me from then and saying he's proud of me, and then me looking at myself saying, "You know, I'm proud of you." Mm-hmm. Was like it's almost like the generations at that moment were like, you know, we're all we're all we're all rooting for you. You know what I mean? Like we're all rooting. We're all rooting for you. And that was kind of crazy because it was like my son. I started thinking about my son, you know, and just like, oh man, like how they're all rooting. We're all, we're all, all the McFadden men are are rooting for each other, you know, like we're rooting for each other. And that was just so powerful because it wasn't just my father, it's like his father, his father. And his father, his father, generation, you know, and then when we go back, we go up to space, it's like, I don't even like the baggage was the baggage is incremental to the amount of like, like pride that my lineage has for me. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like they all, they not even like proud of me because of my accomplishments, but proud of me because of like who I am. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's like all that. So all of that, all of that was like happening, like running that. Um, yeah. So that was, that was crazy. And then, um, and then I started seeing like all the circumstances that people have, have made me felt like I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, them trying to they may i mean then they may have been trying to hurt me whatever but now it's like it's almost like they were directing me to my my future mm-hmm. like, even though it was like oh man you just for this or you just for that or you just mm-hmm. this this that it's almost like i, I seem like holding up shields kind of like like directing me into you know where i'm supposed to be wow I mean, even if even if it meant like they were trying to like block me, it wasn't like if it was a block, like if it was a malicious block, it was mm-hmm. like, um, I could still get through if I wanted to, but it was like, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, now to see it like, okay, bet it was like, you were, you were really there trying to like direct me, push me into my, my purpose. Wow. So it was like, yeah, it was, that was a lot. That was, that was a lot. The lineage part that really got me because, a lot of the trauma, a lot of the baggage is mm-hmm. a result of the relationship with my father or, mm-hmm. or lack of, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just like, like, it wasn't just like my biological father. It was just like my stepfather, too. Mm-hmm. Even though he did, like, a lot of wrong things, I learned a lot from him. And it's almost like, like, all of us, like, kind of hugging, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like that whole... That whole lineage, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so. And then um, last thing is that, like, we were, like, all, not all one, but, mm-hmm. like, on the grand scheme of things, it's just, like, like, all, like, all one. Like, we're, not like we're one, like, the same people, but, like, one as far as, like, bloodline. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, all of that was just, like, no, no, we're we're proud of you. Like all of like all, all of them. Man. They're all proud. All proud you know, so. that's crazy. It's deep. Yeah. <laughs> you <even> expect that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like so I don't really need to like that limiting belief is that ain't even in like that's not even in my mind. Man. Because you know. 
I, if all of them told me I'm good enough, you know what I mean? Um, yep. You know, it's not like they're talking like saying, oh, we believe you're good enough. You know what I mean? It's like, I know that they're proud of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know they're proud of me. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, uh, that's good. And like you said, it's like, now I got wisdom on tap. You know what I mean? Like, with those different scenarios, every one of those scenarios, like, it's just like wisdom, you know? Like, yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. Good job, bro. Yeah. Oh, man, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> uh, that's good, man. That's good. I got you, man. I mean, you you yeah. manifested this this right here, though. You manifested this. Like, you're growing. You're growing. And, like, you're holding, you know, conferences. And, you know, you really start to tell your story. I think the creator was just wanting to get you into a situation where you just have some easier sailing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what's crazy is that like I'm gonna be meditating on that like for a couple of days, thinking <laughs> about you know, um, yeah, just thinking about it. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. I got you, man. I, yeah, man, it's it's a it's a mind blower. It's like we we do the work, you know. You, we do the personal development and reading the books and the conferences and you know sometimes the therapy and the counseling. You know, especially I did a lot of it. And like nothing taps into it like that and helps you shift your perspective, helps you reframe those things in your mind, like, like so effectively, you know? Yeah. Man, I need it, man. My, uh, I do this for like a couple of my friends. Like for real. I'm always here to be a blessing. Let's, let's talk about that. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got like three people or two people that, yeah. Yeah, could definitely use it, <laughs> man. Honestly, I'm doing this podcast because I think we all can. We all can let go of some baggage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, thank you yeah. so much for being on the podcast, bro. Yeah, man, man. My pleasure, bro. My pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to tell my story. Thank you for uh, facilitating that whole effort, man. Uh, just totally, totally was unexpected. But, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for helping me drop that baggage. I've got you, man. On the yeah. Drop Your Baggage podcast. Uh, can we um, can we uh, get one more word of wisdom? I mean, you've added so many golden nuggets. Let's get one more from you. Let's squeeze one more from you, please. Man, it's so possible. Whatever it is, it's so possible. And all you need is a all you need is one word. It will change your life. So get yourself in position. Get in those rooms. Listen to some podcasts, listen to Drop Your Baggage, listen to past um, things. All you need is one word to help you pivot. And once you pivot, possibilities are endless. Mm, mm. That's the next book right there, Pivot to That's Possibilities. It. <laughs> That's good. it, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to wrap it up. You, hey, uh, thank you all so much uh, for listening and thank you for your attention. You know, from the bottom of my heart, I love every single one of you guys that, that listen to the podcast. Um, if you are on Facebook or YouTube, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button. And if you're on the podcast platform, give my brother five stars and some feedback as well. Uh, I am Charles, your um, host, uh, the the self-talk engineer. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourself and take care of one another. Peace.